What's up, Gravel family? I'm Sophia. And I'm Jason. And this is the Gravel Family Podcast. The Gravel Family Podcast is an encouraging space to motivate more people to get on their bikes and enjoy gravel. We're going to share a variety of stories from hometown pirates to the top tier pros. We're also going to share training tips and insights on gravel worlds and other events, as well as answer your questions that arise through your training season. We are so excited you're here. Welcome to the Gravel Family. What's up, Gravel family? I'm Sophia. I'm Jason. Wow, we did that backwards. Oh my gosh, it was our, yeah. You always you always do the outro first, and I always do yeah. the intro first. Yeah. We just want to give a real quick reminder. Go ahead and get registered for Gravel Worlds. Uh, we're coming up on it quick. We're less than five months out, so Ooh. really really excited for that. Ooh. Get signed up, gravel-worlds.com. It's really cool to see all the people that are tagging us on Instagram and their training journey and what they're looking forward to most. And- yep. August. Yeah, it's creeping up. And if you haven't uh, started training, it's okay. You have plenty of time. Get signed up. Let that be your motivation. And when I say training, I mean mostly like the XL or not the yeah, the 300 long voyage. Yeah. Yeah. Get get signed up. The course is going to be great. We're going to go farther north than we ever have before. And the long voyage is going to go to Iowa. So we got some really, really cool stuff this year. Get signed up gravel-worlds.com and let's jump into the episode. We are so excited to have this podcast sponsored by Gooder. Gooder Sunglasses has supported Gravel Worlds for several years and we're super excited to have them supporting the Gravel Family podcast. Join Gooder with their You Ride You campaign, which basically boils down to if you're on a bike and having fun, you're doing it right. It doesn't matter about your gear, your FTP, or how far you ride. Go to gooder.com, that's G-O-O-D-R.com for active sunglasses starting at just $25. Thank you, Gooder, so much for your support. All right, what's up, Gravel family? I'm Jason. And I'm Sophia. And we have our first guest for the Mid-South Live uh, live podcast down here in Stillwater, Oklahoma. It was super fun because last year was the first time we'd even talked about doing a possible podcast we were talking with amanda nauman at the beer release party and she's like i think it's gonna be a lot of work and i'm like i don't care we're still gonna do it yeah that's right so it's the one year anniversary of the conception of the podcast yeah uh so yeah our first guest he's super busy so like we're super thankful to even have him on here uh and he's been highly highly requested too so outside of allison tetrick i think he's the second most requested so uh this person is the co-owner of untapped maple he's the winner of 2016 and 2018 unbound he won uh sbt gravel in 2019 he is a former world pro and uh, on road, and he's also a husband to the amazing Laura King and father of two amazing kids, Hazel and Hayden. Welcome to the Gravel Family Podcast, Ted King. Thank you very much for having me. This is uh, this is really fun to kick off my day with the two of you. So thanks for having me. Yeah. Right. Well, let's start out just with your history at Mid South. How many times have you been down here? Um, you know, it's kind of shocking to me that it's only this is my third Mid South, but for for some reason. Uh, it sort of compounds upon itself. So even at last year when it was my second and at my first, it, it it's such a family. It feels like this is like my 10th. Um, but I will literally, or I will answer your question literally with this is my third. All right. Does it feel like to you as well, like this is the start of the gravel season? Like it's it's always like yeah. there's, there's events in February and January, but it's like, nope, 
it's the year. The year started. I agree with that. I think a lot of it is regional up to this point. You know, the Californians are doing their thing. Uh, you got some Coloradans racing in the snow. New England is still in, in deep hibernation. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you got your FOMO looking around the country. But, yeah, this is the first one that I think it really draws a, a, a crowd from the entire span of the country. So with your experience of being out on those roads, what makes Mid-South different than other parts of the country? Um, I would be remiss if I didn't say the red clay. The terra firma is a bright, beautiful red. Um, conveniently, or maybe inconveniently, depending on your perspective, I've only ever done it in the dry, um, which is excellent from my standpoint. <laughs> so you have not done mud south. I have not done mud south. My drivetrain thanks me. My mechanic, who is myself, thanks me. Um, uh, and I don't know. I mean, I think... For folks who've never been here, you might think of Oklahoma uh, as much of the, the central part of the country as flyover states, right? And, and you might think they're pancake flat. So you say you're going to ride your bike in Oklahoma. It's going to be pancake flat and, and windy. And uh, it's remarkably punchy around here. It's really hilly. It's, uh, it's beautiful. There's something that's just absolutely spectacular in my, in my uh, taking in of, of the landscape. So, yeah, it's a beautiful course. How does it compare to like your your gravel on the East Coast? Um, I would say drier. I mean, I think of when I think of New England, I think of like lush, loamy soil, um, and certainly we have dry areas. We have dry stuff going on, but yeah, it's 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 uh, much more dry here. I think we have a probably a bigger variety, at least from the the parts of the course that I've seen. A lot more time in the woods. <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe bigger hills, maybe bigger mountains, maybe, I don't want to say broader, but a different landscape. Um, So, yeah, deciduous trees, coniferous. I think I'm using those words correctly. Big word. Right? Look at that. I might have even pronounced them For those that don't know, it's 8 o'clock in the morning to be, (laughs) that's too early for using those kinds of words. I'm only one coffee in. (laughs) Well, let's throw it back to the start. So you were a former road pro. Well, you are a former world road pro uh-huh. what made you make the switch from road to gravel well the year was 2015 and that was my about january february of that year i was racing for cannadale pro cycling that was a world tour team um and early on in that year i just i i, I thought to myself you know what i've had 10 years in this in this game and I'm ready to do something different. Um, and so I announced my retirement from world tour racing. And I think in 2015, I'm sure the word gravel existed, but we, you would never say you're going to become a gravel pro. I had no aspirations to go race my bike after that. Um, you know, these, these mixed terrain events were kicking off and, and certainly happening, but gravel racing was not a thing. Um, so, um, let me think. I mean, I, 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 I had a handful of relationships with industry partners almost immediately, which is which was amazing. I mean, uh, a pioneer program, a privateer program, rather, really didn't exist. Uh, so it was really neat to have the partnerships of Cannondale, SRAM, Velocio, right from that first year to be like, you know what, we can do something a little bit different here. Um, and then it was on a uh, SRAM event down in Austin, Texas. We were at South by Southwest. Rebecca Rush, she she likes to chide me, sort of like an older sister would. She's like, "Hey, Rody, like you got to come do this event. <laughs> come to this event called called now Unbound." And I thought, "Gosh, yeah, I've heard of it. It sounds kind of cool. Like I know how to ride long distance. I know how to ride 
uh, cobbles and, and so therefore a little bit of off-road. I had a mountain bike background. I'm like, sure, why not try this crazy race? And that was my, I guess, my introduction into gravel racing proper. I'd done a handful of uh, grasshoppers and mixed terrain events. So that's my verbose answer. Uh, what was the exact question? Just why did you make the switch? <laughs> Um, I think you pretty much answered it. Yeah, it was. So I guess in summary, it was very unintentional. You know, it was the, it was go do something different. Um, and I never would have expected that it would involve pinning a number on a bike. Were you burnt out with racing? Like, were you, is that why you ended up quitting was because like, I'm, I just can't look at a bike anymore. Terrific question. And, and. No, what I still loved, I loved riding a bike and I'd seen people get to the end of their, their world tour careers, whether it's three years or, or 13 years and, and actually hate the bike for a variety of reasons. Maybe they're just tired of it. Maybe it's just so much a job. Um, or what will often happen is you, you might be injured in the year and not get a contract. You might have a crappy year and not get a contract. So then you're just, you spite the bike. And I knew early on by still loving the bike and loving cycling, I wanted to make the conscious decision to go out on a high. So that was a really, uh, in retrospect, a, a very positive, happy decision. Are there, is there one race or like a handful of races that you look forward to now every year in gravel? Certainly. Um, you know, what I've tried to do recently is mix up a schedule because, because I have been doing this since 2016, uh, there's a lot of repetitivity. And, and what's really great about gravel is that there's so much expanse and there's so many different races popping up. And I want to see different parts of the country and different states and different parts of the world. A little bit easier said than done with uh, a family that often does travel with me and, and go to races. So it's just a logistical game. Um, you know, Unbound is certainly a token. I mean, it's, it, it is as hackneyed as it sounds, like the community as much as anything. That was the first one. It's such a fond place in my heart. Um, the grasshoppers have, have been going on for 25 plus years. And I really, what I, what I love about the events is I know the promoters. I know you folks, I know, I know Bobby, I know Christy, I know formerly Leland, uh, Miguel Crawford. I mean, it's so cool to know the people who are putting on the events and therefore be part of that. You know, they invite you into their, their community. And that's what is awesome about these events. It's like, it's say it's so oversaid, but you can't say it enough. I suppose you mentioned a little bit about your family and the logistics of bringing them. So you guys <laughs> <laughs> recently got a van and you go around with your family, including your two young children. How, what's that experience like getting to involve them and keep them, you know, in this scene? It's organized chaos. <laughs> um, here's a great <laughs> anecdote. Last year we had a two year old. Hazel was two years old. Laura was pregnant. And we went to the beer release party and uh, here at Mid-South. And Didn't you have little earmuffs on them with that year? Possibly. Yeah, I think we did have those. I those were like that. literally the only time we ever used them. I remember that. <laughs> they were like, and it was so cute. They had like little little earmuff like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like noise sound deadening things. Yeah. Because the thing was ridiculous. Like yeah. that was a party and that was a scene. And, and Hazel as much as a, is a celebrity as much as anybody. <laughs> um but, you know, I got a two-year-old and I have a pregnant wife. And so needless to say, the family energy was, was pretty low. And it's like, all right, let's just figure out a way to get out of here quickly and go home. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, all I want to do is hang out and drink beer with this crowd. Fast forward one year, which is last night. And I went to the beer release party solo because Laura and the family have flown to California. Um, I'm going to meet them out there shortly. This, this Mid-South is one of very few events that I'm actually solo. 
And I was there for an hour and I was so exhausted, I think from child rearing and parenting and driving <laughs> out here and all these things. So I was there for an hour and went straight to sleep. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, how do I do it? We do it exhaustively. It takes a lot of communication. It takes a heck of a lot of planning. Um, it's fun. You know, I mean, when I talk about planning, it's like you need to figure out very, very, very trusted childcare. Um, and again, that relies on knowing the event promoters who can help help out finding the right people. Um, it it incurs a greater cost because now Hazel is certainly she's earned her own seat on an airplane and we're often flying to events. Uh, watching us arrive to an airport is nothing short of comical. Just oh, my God. All the bikes <laughs> and bags and bikes, car seats. <laughs> There's just, there's so much going on that it, you pull your hair out at the beginning of every trip and then you come home and you already miss it. So it's just such a, it is a hoot. Do you need like a 15 passenger jan- van? Like when you <laughs> rent just to like carry all your stuff and in, in family? I wish, I wish Toyota would sponsor me because I would love a Toyota Sienna. Um, just, just throwing that out throwing there, out, Toyota, out if you're there. listening. Manifesting to our it. dear friends at Toyota. Um, <laughs> We, the van that we have now is our second Sprinter van. The first one we got when we first had Hazel. Hazel is a pandemic baby. So she was born March 2nd and, and with her entire uh, maternal family on the West Coast, we figured out a way that, you know, the way to get out there is going to be to buy a van and go out. That van was certainly designed for a family of three. It was, uh, it was DIY'd by a friend of ours and it was, you know, we bought it with 100,000 miles, blah, blah, blah. When we were going ahead and having Hayden, we realized that we needed to have a bigger van, which sounds ridiculous to need a bigger Sprinter van when you're going to get a human that's, what, 24 inches long. (laughs) However, that was true. So then we worked with our dear friends at PTCH, Place to Call Home. Um, They built an amazing van out for a family of four, and, and that is the adventure as much as anything. It's... I don't know. I mean, it's 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 just part of the adventure, you know? It's... It... It probably is a detriment to my fitness because you know when we have call it 800 miles to cover in a day that means laura wants to ride i want to ride we have to parent we do have a heck of a lot of work to to try to accomplish over the course of the day and drive so yeah it i didn't even think of the training aspect to be i mean oh, you're you're hard. you're both you and laura both elite level cyclists and then yeah you're like you said you're driving 10 12 hours a day and you need to do a ride but you can't do it at the same time because you got kids uh-huh. like that's Wow, man. It's respect. <laughs> it It's perspective, right? So here I am on this solo trip and I'm putting in 12 hour days of driving. What it means logistically from traveling with a family of four is if you Google map something, uh, it's more likely you're going to cover for 500 miles. And that is what it might say. I forget eight, eight hours, eight hours of driving on Google maps is a huge day because it does not mean you're doing eight hours of driving. Yeah, you're you're stopping, refueling, yeah, all that stuff. Stretch the legs, let the change some diapers, let yep. the kids run around. I mean, yep. yeah, you also don't want them all cooped up. So. Traveling with kids, if you are going to estimate a four-hour drive, it's going to be an eight-hour drive. Yes, well said. <laughs> well if there, said. If there is a patent in the future for a bike trainer that is also like in a van yeah. where you're seat belted in, like yeah. you're the only target market, I think. <laughs> so we've traveled. We certainly, Saris is a sponsor admittedly, but we've traveled with a, a Saris trainer and, and there've been days that, yeah, you set up the trainer outside the, uh, the van while the other you know, family members but are I, running I, around. Or I'm talking while you're moving. I know, I know you're talking <laughs> while you're moving. I used to think that on international flights when I was going back and forth to Europe, I was, th- I would think, okay, here I am cooped up in this airplane seat, which is miserable, but 
riding a trainer for say eight hours is also admittedly miserable. Which would I rather do? Would I would I prefer to sit in the seat for eight hours or set up a trainer in the aisle and ride for eight hours? And you I, ride on a trainer for eight hours? Would I? No. I'm wondering. So oh, in the same oh, hypothetical world that you, yes. you picture a trainer in a van, yes. I would I would oh often think gosh. picture a trainer in the airplane and be like, okay, could I pull this off? So also airline companies, if yeah. you are listening, yeah. that's like the most specific <laughs> cycling. Would you rather? Exactly. Like which yeah. which level of horror is worse? Well said. <laughs> um, you kind of mentioned earlier, like one of the great things about gravel and that you get to do is go around the country and just see the incredible differences around the country and around the world with not only landscapes but the types of gravel the types of people um and and the promoters as well you mentioned that but you're a promoter yourself and you put on adventures and um you've had you you love bringing people into your backyard that's mm-hmm. what we all do as promoters right is like mm-hmm. we see this beautiful place we want people to come and experience it um you've done several different events what's what's been some of your we'll talk about what's coming next but what's some of your favorite um, adventures you've put on yourself or your family's put on? Um, certainly Rooted Vermont. We, we hosted Rooted Vermont for three years. That was, that was amazing. Um, Laura and our dear friend, Kristen, the two of them were the event promoters. I was, I was much more the, the, uh, mascot of the event. I mean, they did the heavy lifting for, for sure. Um, and, and into 2023, we decided that we just we weren't in a place to, to that we wanted to continue. Um, we were incredibly pleased with the event we created. We we couldn't have been happier with it. But at the end of the day, we were just ready to say, you know what, we're ready to do something else. Um, but there's nothing better than that feeling of drawing people in and, and standing up on the Sunday afternoon and looking down at this this mass audience of people from all over the country, all over the world, who are there for your community, for your backyard, and they're they're stoked. Um, let's see what else I did. I'm really quite stoked with DIY gravel, which I could never actually pull off again because that involved their, the necessity of a global pandemic. And so that was 2020, the world's in shutdown. Um, and I, I, I was thinking of, you know, how to, how to get out myself, how to inspire other people to get out. And so I did DIY gravel where I basically took my 2020 calendar that I would have done. And on event days, I'd said, I told folks to go ride your own distances, wherever you are. And Truth be told, something like 25,000, 30,000 people signed up from all over the world. It was wow. nuts, right? And and that created a really cool community of, you know, thanks to social media. It's like as much as social media can be a, a uh, it can be a negative thing. That's one of these examples of it really being uplifting and positive and people cheering for each other from all over. Um, and so going into, well, one of those events was creating on unbound weekend an event called vtxl so i basically rode the entire length of the state from north to south from canada to massachusetts 310 miles 95 percent of it off-road um in an insane amount of elevation too yeah i was nuts like uh, two-thirds of the way through the ride i'd completed my first everest and then yeah, I still that, oh, yeah, I remember that. That's what I remember from that. Like that video was like, yeah, I like about fell on the floor <laughs> when it was like, yeah, 300. What did you say? 300 miles. It was 310. Total. So I was like, that's that's doable like, or not. Not for me, but like it's reasonable. And then yeah. you're like 40,000 or yes. 50,000 feet of elevation. I'm like, that's not doable. Yeah, <laughs> it was something in that that arena. I want to say 35,000 feet. It was. Ab- yeah, it was bananas. Um, so that was really cool and I love the event. We created a great video of it, yada yada yada. 
to your point and what I was thinking throughout the ride is like to do this ride over the course of a series of days would be amazing instead of having to push yourself because I was I trying to do it in the whole uh, in one day I did it in like 21 hours to do it in three days minimum four days five days a week that would be really neat and what's what's been really cool is is I worked with Joe Cruz who is uh, a legend in the bike packing space and he lives up uh, he basically lives at the, the terminus of the ride um, and then working with bikepacking.com and ride with GPS we produced this route and I know at this point hundreds of people have ridden it and they do it over the course of a week and so this is the long-winded way of saying I've started something in 2023 called uh, Ted's Excellent Adventure. And, and how's that spelled? And that is excellent with an XL apostrophe E-N-T. That's right. How punny. <laughs> <laughs> and, and hopefully at least some of our listeners will recognize the uh, connection to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Unfortunately, there is no Bill as part of this uh, <laughs> adventure. It's just Ted's Excellent Adventure. But I've opened it up to anybody who wants to do it. Admittedly, there is a cap. Um, it is a free event. So you know, basically I'm just like brainstorming. How do I bring people out? How do I, how do I do something that is new and different and, and, uh, achievable, but still challenging and, and not price prohibitive and, and all these things. So I have three events in the Ted's excellent adventure. One's in California. One is that VTXL route. And one is in the Pacific Northwest, uh, up in the Cascades. All will be between three to five days of riding. All will be, um, bike packing events. We're self-supported. We're relying on each other. Bike packing, I think is inherently, uh, crazy. It's easy to talk about, but it's 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 a big leap of faith to actually go do one. And so I wanted to to have this thing that that brings in a whole bunch of rookies and newbies, and we can rely on each other to 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 get from point A to point B. So you know, talking about the course, is it fully remote, or does the course stop through cities where you can you know reload on snacks and everything else <laughs> you're gonna need? <laughs> Excellent question. Um. The California route, we certainly don't go through cities, but there are places to refill. Uh, I think the, yeah, that'll be the same case for VTXL. We go through small towns and we, you know, visit watering holes. Those are the, uh, both the libation type and the uh, place that you can jump in a river and go for a swim. Um, little restaurants, little, you know, you want to see a community and that's what these, these things are all about. So a little bit of both cities. No. Pacific Northwest, I have a hunch. So I'm working with uh, Jan of Rene Harris Cycling, who's up in the Seattle area. He, I think, I want to say, he knows the area like the back of his hand. He knows the area incredibly well, and I think that one's going to be much more remote. All right. TBD. Ooh, all right. That route is Is, is that in the Cascades? It's, it will likely be in the Cascades. He and I went on a crazy all-day. We've gone two all-day adventure rides in that neck of the woods, but we've never done a bikepacking trip, so I'm, I'm stoked to see what he's drumming up so as of now there's three in the works there are three we've got march 23rd is the first one in california um mid to late i want to say like july 21 is the next one in vermont and i want to say about september 18th ish is um is the pacific northwest if you go to i am tedking.com slash x l e n t you will find all the details. And if you're looking to sign up, you can plan to sign up in 2024 because these things, you can't say sold out because there is a $0 registration fee, but they sold out ASAP. That's awesome. Wow. Good for, for you, quick. man. That's, Thanks. That's, that's really cool. And like, I, I really respect the, the free aspect of it too. Um, 
you know, just passing that on, like you could have charged thousands of dollars for that and you wanted to break down those barriers. We have this a similar mentality, like with our camps and trying to, trying to do what we can to make things affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, good on you for, for doing that. Appreciate it. Um, another thing, uh, you, you kind of overcame a lot last year with some medical things. You had a blood clot in your lung, correct? Correct. So, um, how, how are you doing with that? How, what was that like trying to overcome that last year? Because that was also in the middle of the lifetime lifetime Grand Prix. Yeah, that put a that was a speed bump if there if there ever was one. Um, I let's see, I came back from Crusher, um, got home, had sort of a strange niggling pain that felt very orthopedic in nature in my shoulder. But the strange part about it was uh, it occurred when I took a deep breath. I take a deep breath, and it felt like this sort of sharp orthopedic pain, and I didn't think much of it. Uh, it went away within an hour, much like niggling pains do. And then the next evening, I was just sort of like rolling around in bed and the same thing happened. And, and, and to instigate the pain was a deep breath. And that seemed really weird. I've, I've lived a rough and tumble life, literally, and, and I have plenty of aches and pains. But this was just so different for that reason. So uh, I ended up calling some doctor friends and, and they're like, nah, you know, I don't think. Well, sorry, I woke up that morning, 3 a.m., rocking a baby, feeding a baby. Uh, spent some time on Google and I'm like, man, this could be a pulmonary embolism. That'd be weird. And I, so I ended up talking to some doctors and they're like, yeah, we really don't think is the case, but of course we're not going to tell you to not go to the ER. And so I went to the ER and they're like, lo and behold, you have a pulmonary embolism. That is a blood clot that has made its way to my lung. No, that sucks to get that diagnosis. It's, uh, minus scary. that's a scary yeah. diagnosis. Oh, like, that's scary. a big deal. Especially when you have a wife and kids. Yeah. It was a reality check of sorts. Um, Mine's what's called unprovoked. You could have genetic predispositions. You could have other things they look for are, have you had a major injury recently? Have you had long travel? Have you been super dehydrated? But they have to be very specific and relatively recent. And I've had all of those things, but but many, many months or weeks, uh, years before. So unprovoked, they can't tell me why, which also kind of sucks. The aftermath of that is that I'm on blood thinners. Uh, which is not the end of the world. I, it was it was cool. This this group of this community of folks who are also in a similar situation, who are who are athletic and, and go getters, and they're on blood thinners and they live uh, an active life, and they they worked through it. Their stories with me about how to do it. There's there are professional cyclists out there who are on uh, a similar trajectory. So yeah, it takes a little bit more planning. It means come off blood thinners before you do something a little bit crazy. Um, but you know, I I. I with doctor's permission and family's permission, you know, I still want to live my life and my life involves uh, riding a bike. So I could be sedentary and I could stay in bed all day and that is super safe from a blood clot standpoint, but that's not the life I want to live. Well, especially in the middle of the season, the last thing you want is a setback, you oh know. Gosh, yeah. How long in total were you off the bike during that scary time? Uh, not terribly long. I mean, a week or so. It, it, it reevaluated everything from that moment. It meant I'm no longer in the Grand Prix. Uh, it meant I'm no longer competing. So at that point, I was on uninterrupted blood thinners for six months. And so that took me from, what, July through December of this current year. It just changed. It, I don't know. It changed the perspective. It changed what, what, not, what, what, is, what not what was important, but it just made me reevaluate things. I mean, at that point I was 39 years old. We already talked about my career 1.0, which is racing on the world tour. I feel like everything I'm doing now in this, this gravel space, 
especially because beginning of 2016, it wasn't a gravel racing world. It's all a bonus. It's all really fun, and I, I love doing it, and I love uh, the, the privilege of being part of it. Um, and I tried to create some cool adventures as a result. I mean, I, I did this... Uh, what did I even call it? I guess I didn't call it anything. Um, I, I created a <laughs> fundraising aspect by going to events, starting staggered behind oh, the right. race that's and right. then chasing people and then i i brought in uh this gravel community in in ways that it never would have been expected you know i, I had do, uh, dollar donations for every rider i passed yep i did that at last best ride i did that at rebecca's private idaho um all said and done we raised something north of fifteen thousand dollars for incredible. a couple of really great incredible organizations so i don't know it, it was i could have like i said stayed home been angry at the world yada 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 at this point oh i should also <laughs> i was diagnosed what a month after having our second child that's another perspective yeah here. already a very stressful time yeah <laughs> so and meanwhile laura has just been pregnant for nine months and raising a kid and she she wants to be active she wants to be at races so i wasn't going to tell her we can't race we're not doing anything so it was a way to that was the first van trip with this new van that was going out on adventures that was kicking things off once again so well, you've obviously had a lot of adversity in the last year between your health setbacks, between your injuries and crashes, <laughs> but you've also bike, had a lot of good moments, which yes. leads us into our next question. <laughs> so Gooder is down here and they've sponsored these episodes for these podcasts. What has been your goodest moment in the last year? Uh... Man, you could tug on my heartstrings pretty quick with that question. Um, do it. Do it. No, <laughs> I just, I got, there's so much. I mean, family for me is everything. So uh, the birth of Hayden, I think, is going to take the cake there. It's been good memories with my parents, my brother, my uh, wife, and children. But, you know, the birth of a child is is a tearjerker like no other it's incomparable for sure for it the is. rest of your year it is it, <laughs> it has is. been I've, I've been a fan like you you're you're a person that's kind of lived your life online so i've been a fan of yours <laughs> for i think since you entered gravel is when i i think i remember didn't you win unbound on your lefty fork yeah that's cannondale slate and I, I like remember reading your post-race report and i'm like oh i'm a fan of, i'm gonna be a fan of this guy and <laughs> so it's it. been it's been fun like watching you grow up like you've grown up a lot in the last since you came into gravel yeah. and uh so i respect that of like you're you live your life online which is very very difficult to do and can cause complete chaos but you've done what seems at least from the outside to be grounded and be you know a genuinely good person and good husband and good father so i wanted to thank you for being a good example of what it should look like to live your life online um but like what that, that's it. a that's a genuine choice you your family has made yeah. and so what what has that been like as a family to live your life online and but you you still need those private moments and sure. like where how have you chosen how to do that what do you choose to put online what do Good you choose question. not to that's an amazing question uh i mean i won't wax poetic about it too much but i feel like a, a lot of my career has been an unintentional um, it's a, it's a matter of working hard and doors opening and sort of leaping at a chance to walk through that door from the very beginning, from my road career, from the way I've described how I got into gravel to right up through all, you know, all social media. Um, I've never intentionally been like, I'm going to pick up this social media app because I think it's going to expand my audience. 
Um, so I don't know. I feel like Laura has done a similar thing. We've never, outside of probably the initial photo of, hey, are we going to take a picture of our kids and put them online? We, we probably had that conversation and then everything else has just been uh, as best decision making as possible. I mean, we live a public life, certainly, no. but there are plenty of private moments, uh, far more than you see online. Um, not everything is sunshine and rainbows like, like you Absolutely. see online. You're, Absolutely. you're able to pick and choose what you want to share so yeah. that you can still keep those special moments special. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so... I don't have the playbook of how to live your life through social media with a family, but, but well, you guys are doing a pretty good job. What's something, what's something you would have done differently now? Like of the whole online aspect, is there something you would change? You know, I never had a MySpace account and apparently that was cool for a while. (laughs) Oh, never had MySpace either. And like, it blows people's minds, but you're like 26. Yeah. It was still in its height when I was, yeah. Uh, MySpace was a big thing. I mean, similar tongue-in-cheek answer. I <laughs> I wish I were young and hip enough to have gotten on. I have a TikTok account, and I've had one from the very oh, beginning. Yeah. I am Ted King, much, much like all my other ones. <laughs> but I never got into it, and that I don't live with regrets, but that might be my regret. Just <laughs> just save your reels yeah. and upload it on TikTok. That's okay. all you got to do. Okay. Half, of the, half the time I do our TikToks and then upload them to Instagram, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's all the same. That's but. hilarious. <laughs> All right, so we got some questions on Instagram. We got a few coming in here. So from Pal Palici. 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 I know Palici. So they they asked. This seems like a catered question. This so is going to be a catered question. So they they <laughs> said. I don't, I don't know it yet. This is contra- very controversial. Uh-huh. So Dumb and Dumber or Anchorman? Yes. Uh, Dumb and Dumber, hands down. Oh man, not even thinking about it. No, uh, Dumb and Dumber just lives in in uh, my hall of fame. I I swear I've watched that movie. 150 times. Well, especially is that your favorite movie? Ooh, hard question. I'll go with yes. Ooh. All right. Just because. So, so, all right. If we're trying to break into his bank accounts, favorite movie. That's always a question. Dumb and Dumber. Isn't, isn't there a scene <laughs> in Dumb and Dumber where they're like riding a motorcycle through Nebraska? Isn't that uh, a thing? Yeah, on their yeah. way to Aspen. Yeah. Would, Ted would know. <laughs> yeah. Completely. It's a little... Uh, a Vespa. Vespa type unit. Uh, yeah, that's... Well, and then now you're like the van life, like traveling around. Yeah, it's like yeah. perfect. The, the, the shagging wagon. Have you shown Hazel Dumb and Dumber yet? And Not is she yet. a fan? No, oh. she's the only movie she's seen is portions of, of Frozen. And it is amazing how much kids just gravitate towards that movie. Oh, yeah. Is she an Elsa fan or an Anna fan? Oh, gosh, she's Elsa. She Her birthday was, <laughs> what, three days ago? And she got an Elsa dress. And she's walking around the house. She's like, I'm like the real Elsa. Oh. I'm like the real Elsa. <laughs> That's uh, That's you're going to have to, before oh, long, you'll have to bribe her to take it off. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> All right. The next question is from Kolb, K-O-A-L-B. And it is, when are you coming to Gravel Worlds? I that did. is amazing. Was that a catered question? I do. I <laughs> literally, that came through and I was like, I will not ask that because i've asked ted so many yes. times and he's gonna think i planted it and no. i didn't uh is as soon as possible a good answer that's a great I, answer i'll take it that that is as good and truthful <laughs> answer as there is it, uh, it is a race that i want to do it is a it's a miracle we've gotten a 2020 beginning of 2023 and i've never been there so i look forward to that awesome um any other uh any other bucket list events that you have that you haven't done that you Ooh. you want to do um, I'd like to do a little bit more international, pick up that international flair. Uh, I did the rift, but 
you know, as we see gravel taken off throughout the country, uh, sorry, throughout the globe, I think it'd be cool to do some some Japanese racing, some European racing, some uh, I, Australian racing, I South America. I think Kai Takashita is doing a Japanese gravel with Pan Racer. Yeah. I think they just announced that like a week ago. Color me jealous. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. And so before we go, uh, Sophia always has one last question. But again, thank you so much for your incredibly busy schedule for coming on here. Um, and thank you for being a, just a genuinely good ambassador for a sport. We always say be a champion on and off the bike. And you, you embrace that. Uh, very much. Uh, so uh, before we go, Sophia always has one last question. I do. So what does the gravel family mean to you, Ted? Oh, man. Um, well, I hit on how important family is to me. And that is through through marriage. That is through blood. That is through, you know, the immediate family. But, I mean, that does extend to this broader community. It's yeah. it's it's friendships i mean what it has meant to my family is incredible like it is where we work it is where we play it is our recreation it is our profession it is it's what we want to do um laura and i talk that we've never really taken a, a honeymoon we've been married for what five years now because our life takes us to so many cool places and, it, and it's a blast to bring our family to these events and introduce yeah. our family to the gravel family so crazy eh i mean it's 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 pretty <laughs> awesome Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ted. And uh, thank you so much to uh, Stone Cloud Brewing down here in Stillwater for giving us a host of a place to stay. If you're ever down in Stillwater, uh, check out Stone Cloud. It's just a couple blocks south of District Bicycles. I'm a big fan of them because they have a big rack of games over there. So you know a bar or brewery is good if it's got games. So (laughs) it's got an aesthetic that draws you in you know you go to new towns you go to new places basically you go look at restaurants bakeries and bars and like they just have a look you're like you know that that place is doing it right so yeah, oh. these, places, <laughs> these guys are amazing awesome well thank you so much i'm sophia i'm jason and i'm ted and this has been another episode of the gravel family podcast we will see you next time We are so excited to have this podcast sponsored by Gooder. Gooder Sunglasses has supported Gravel Worlds for several years, and we're super excited to have them supporting the Gravel Family podcast. Join Gooder with their You Ride You campaign, which basically boils down to if you're on a bike and having fun, you're doing it right. It doesn't matter about your gear, your FTP, or how far you ride. Go to Gooder.com, that's G-O-O-D-R.com, for active sunglasses starting at just $25. Thank you, Gooder, so much for your support. Gravel Family Podcast is a Pirate Cycling League production. Gravel Worlds and Pirate Cycling League are owned and operated by Gravel Adventures LLC, Lincoln, Nebraska. For more information on Gravel Family Podcast, visit www.gravelfamily.bike. For information on Gravel Worlds or Pirate Cycling League, go to www.gravel-worlds.com.